welcome to this week's edition of Let's Have a Breakdown with me, Ali Monjak. And me, Harry Acton. Well, hello, Harry. How are you? Yes, Ali, I am not bad. I'm enjoying this lovely British summer we now have, which is which is rain and wind. <laughs> but you know, other than that, I am I am very well. How are you this weekend? I'm good. Yes, I've had a very busy weekend. I've been out on the Berkshire beat, as they say, and um, yes, yeah, so covered two charity events with For the Now and met Mr. Will Young. Mm. Um, who sadly lost his brother last year, his twin brother, um, and has suffered from mental health issues himself. So he's been um, just been made patron of the Newbury Soup Kitchen and was also at an event today to support a local group called Time to Talk, who are a youth counselling service. So, yes, no, interesting times. Interesting yeah, no, times. It, yeah, it certainly feels like we're starting to get back to normal, doesn't it, again? I think the word normality, I feel like we are we are definitely one step closer to that in, in recent weeks or recent days even, I'd say. The feeling has definitely changed. Um, but I'll tell you what hasn't changed, Ali, in the news this week. This whole vaccine passport debate seems to have kicked up another gear, especially now that Parliament's gone on its summer holiday. Oh. It's very interesting. Yes, with Boris Johnson facing renewed backlash within his party over the threat of domestic vaccine passports. It demands the MPs to be recalled from their holidays to debate the proposal. I mean, whatever next? I know, I know. And we, you know, before they went on holiday, we knew about you know the government's plans to bring in vaccine passports for nightclubs and and other certain venues. But of course, in the Conservative Party and in the opposition parties, they've been quite against this approach. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of arguments against them in the fact that it restricts people's freedom in a way. The, the word I hate using, freedom. Um, but. There is now a cross-party backing, as you mentioned, for the Commons to return before September when it is due to return as normal. So, you know, the Lib Dems last week, um, you know, said a change out to the NHS app, allowing users to prove they were double jabbed in a domestic setting, warranted a recall for Parliament. So it has certainly stepped up a notch in recent days and weeks. And I think there's been a lot of kind of... Um, what's the word? I'll say discussion. There has been a lot of discussion recently about vaccine passports. And I know there's people for and against, and that is natural, isn't it? But it sounds like a lot of people really don't want to have to show they've been vaccinated, even if they have been. Well, this is interesting, though, isn't it? Because I think we had this discussion, did we not, last week? I mean, I had my second vaccination um, two weeks ago. Mm. And as soon as I'd had my second vaccination, the lovely NHS staff sat there said to me, you now have a COVID passport. Ah. Well, I think it's a big thing on people's minds, isn't it? I think in summer, everyone's excited about the whole prospect of going to green and amberless countries and not having to quarantine on their return. Uh, which, you know, is, is 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 good when you've been double vaccinated. You can do that. Alas, I'm not in that group just yet. Two weeks to go, Ali. Two weeks. Mm. Um, but, you know, I think this whole thing about using it domestically is kind of why there is an uproar. I think people understand the need to show you're vaccinated when you go abroad. I think yes. it makes sense. But 
you know, locally, I mean, you know, I, I, I went out on, on a pub crawl on Friday night and I ended up in a in a, a, a sort of nightclub setting, you could say. Oh, Harry. I know, I know, mad. First time since March 2020. It was extremely weird. Well, it was lovely, but also weird to be back to normal. Uh, anyway, but yeah, I, I think it, it wouldn't have been hard for me to get my app out and to go in, but it would have maybe added a barrier to the night out that people don't want. And I think it adds a barrier to people that maybe don't want the vaccine yet and that's something we'll touch on a bit later on or maybe people that can't have the vaccine for whatever reason so there is all these little points Ali that you can kind of understand why and of course we are hearing some Conservative MPs and other party MPs you know clearly worried about what they're saying is an authoritarian I hate that word again authoritarian because I can never say it properly proposal hmm Yes. Uh, well, I mean, it, it, it is an authoritarian proposal, Harry. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you've got uh, leaders, Sakir Starmer, ruling out supporting them for use in everyday life, setting up the possibility of a government defeat on the policy mm. um, is what has been reported here at the moment. But yeah, well, you mentioned that. I mean, on LBC, there was quite a good debate, actually. They had the North West Leicestershire MP, um, Mr. Bridgeton. I can never remember his first name. How bad is that? But anyway, he was on LBC um, talking about, you know, the, if there is a serious threat of, of the government bringing in domestic passports, um, Parliament should be recalled. He said it was a, a very serious infringement on people's liberties. God, sounds very American, that, doesn't it? Hmm. And, you know, we had Labour Shadow Environment Secretary Luke Pollard, you know, saying that, as you mentioned with Keir Starmer, you know, ruling them out. He said Labour was very cautious. So this this debate is growing. And of course, we're hearing as well now that there will be things that will encourage younger people to get vaccine vaccinated. You know, we might see them offered vouchers, you know, discounts at takeaways and taxi rides. Uh, Uber, Bolt, Deliveroo and Pizza Pilgrims which I believe is a pizza chain. I would yeah. hope. I hope I, I got hope. that wrong. Yeah. I would hope. <laughs> uh, apparently are among the brands that will give incentives to encourage youngsters to get inoculated, the Department of Health and Social Care has announced. I've seen on Uber, because of course I have an Uber account, not that you can use it down here. Well, you not where I live anyway. Has offered discounted Uber rides and meals on its Uber Eats platform. Oh, maybe I should see if I can get a discounted meal. I must be in that group. Um, and apparently um, delivery yes, is going to go issue vouchers as well. And it's been dubbed, Ali, and this is a phrase I, I find quite funny, kebabs for jabs. Kebabs for jabs. That's hysterical, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. I do love a good kebab every now and then. But yeah, if, you that's know. by Labour MP, Mr Pollard. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just a, wow, it, it is an incentive. There has been a lot of problems across the boards with young people. Um, deciding that they wouldn't get the jab, that they don't want to put this into their bodies. But, you know, at the end of the day, they, they do need to be covered. They do need to be vaccinated. And it, Absolutely. It, and we should stress, Ali, for being down the line here, the young people booking their jabs on the NHS website, you know, it had some of the fastest turn, the fastest booking in the UK. I think the under 30s when it was open to them, that 25 to 30, I think like a million jabs were booked in, like, in a ridiculously short period. So... There is just pockets of vaccine hesitancy. So it's not everyone, but it's targeting those pockets so we can get to that critical point where enough people are vaccinated that those who aren't vaccinated get immunity through the majority of us being vaccinated. And we can still work on them to get the jab. But as you've rightly said, there is some hesitancy across all age groups, but the focus is on us youngsters at the moment. Yes, 
yeah yeah it is definitely and you know it has to be because really they've you know vaccinated most people now and they are into that age group um you know it it, it needs to be done but whether you should try and enforce um a covid vac uh, a vaccine passport you know domestically is another situation isn't it really you say that i mean if we cross across the pond following this story on here you know mm. technically our, our, our second story for day but it's, it's very much the same you know there is there is a possibility of mandates being introduced in the u.s to contra- contain the spread of the virus as cases of the delta variants in the country rise which is the news as well this week yeah and as you mentioned to me, which we'll talk about later on i mean joe biden is encouraging states to give people a money a bonus or money if you want to be so frank as that to get well, jabs be frank <laughs> <laughs> but i mean i think you know if america's doing it our government will see that as a oh can we do that too but yeah america is very interesting we've seen you know companies like walmart and disney have said all this said this week all employees must be vaccinated and joe biden has said that all federal employees must also be jabbed all have face masks testing and follow social distancing Distance requirements yeah schools universities hospitals financial services tech companies retailers entertainment industries and local governments have announced similar policies the efforts are supported obviously by an opinion from the u.s department of justice which says employers can require vaccines under emergency use authorization so it's already um, happening, isn't it? It this- is already happening. I mean, it, it, it it's an interesting situation. And I think the thing is, is that, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, Harry, but I've been having many conversations about people worrying about going back into a, where are we, third, fourth, fifth lockdown? Um, fourth. Well, we know that in the UK, yeah. the government has said everything, it will do everything it can to not going to another lockdown and the last one was going to be the last lockdown hmm. so uh, it's an interesting state we're in and we have seen of course scientists warning that the, that the government's policy in the uk especially could lead to new vaccine resistant strains and of course at one point sage were predicting up to a million cases a day as we came out of lockdown and we've actually seen cases drop lower than they were the week before this one. They're still, you know, around 30,000 a day, but they are less. So something must be working, we can assume, I think. Um, So it is tricky there, but I think America is kind of really setting a precedent here that other countries might follow. And as we know, the US government and the United States itself has a history of requiring vaccines in the past. Yeah, it does. It does, definitely. So... um... Yeah, it, mm. it is interesting times ahead, I think, you know, as we navigate all of us, you know, not just the UK and America and Europe and, you know, every continent, as we navigate out of the rest of the coronavirus, it, it really is, you know, so tricky. Tricky it is, one. it is tricky one. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we've got some interesting facts here, haven't we, you know, in the winter of 1777 where did you find that one harry well just some digging alley yeah george washington washington even required smallpox inoculations for all soldiers didn't he so fighting the british yeah mm, you know fighting the british (laughs) so isn't that that ironic ironic, isn't it and it went a step further in 1809 when in massachusetts they passed a law requiring proof of inoculation against smallpox Mm. and then you know we can come even 
closer to recent times in 1980 you know schools in all u.s states had laws requiring vaccinations for students but yes. in some places they were um, allowed exemptions for example religious, religious. or philosophical phys- can't say it philosophical, philosophical. reasons <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not really you've got your teeth um, in dear i haven't and then these rules were actually put to a test in a measles epidemic in philadelphia in 1991 when there were over a thousand cases um mm. and nine deaths which were mainly clustered in two churches whose members requested exemption from the vaccination so it, you know once the measles vaccine became compulsory and everyone in most schools had to be vaccinated and it it, it stopped the outbreak and of course there's that argument that people should be allowed to, to opt out um but and i think it's really good here to flag that you know a, a pastor back in those times um recalled that on the grounds that he said and this is a quote which i think is quite a powerful quote tally this while you are at liberty to martyr yourself to religion, you are not religion, religion, you are not at liberty to martyr your child. Wow. I know, I know. But of course, the coronavirus vaccine has not been approved for under 16s yet in the UK. So that's not going to happen here at the moment. They don't seem to have changed the legislation on that. It's only certain groups, isn't it, under the age of 18, if, you know, they're, they're in the vulnerable category and if they live with somebody who's in a vulnerable category um, mm. and so on and so forth, such like they haven't actually stipulated that everybody under the age of 16 or 18 should have a vaccination. Exactly. So that's something that we're going to watch as well. But I think... Hmm. Now, what's going on in America with Joe Biden saying that states should offer $100 if we're going to drop the money card again? Um, Could that that similar thing come over here? And and could we see employers over here mandating people be vaccinated? Only time will tell. And will the government put that into law and not be defeated again? We don't know. But it's an interesting debate this week, to say the least. Well, if it means that you're actually going to keep employees in work, you know, and doing what they need to do, in, in order to keep, you know, jobs and companies going, then, you know, maybe we could see that. Maybe we could. Maybe we could get us out of the pandemic, as it's called. But the yeah, pandemic, again, that hasn't really yeah. changed since last week. So there's no point talking about that, of course. No. Um, but anyway, shall we, shall, we, shall we stop our coronavirus chat of the week? Aren't yes. We? I mean, interesting news. Lord Sugar issues warning over the sale of Channel 4. I mean, obviously, mm. it was founded in 1982, Channel 4. By Margaret Thatcher. Yes, by by Maggie. Um, mm. So, the Iron Lady. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting times, isn't it? I mean, we're it kind is. of it, it talking. Is. I, mean, mm. I mean, I work for a public service broadcaster, and I think Ofcom wants to in theory move that to what we call public service media to to work across all platforms it's it's kind of what has spurred on the government talking of selling channel four and and channel four is state-owned but it's funded by advertising so it costs the taxpayer absolutely nil to run absolutely nil which i think we should really stress that and as we know it's probably been one of the most not controversial but the most forward-thinking broadcasters and it really does not care what people think of it it does what it thinks society needs as a broadcaster which is in this day and age i think extremely unique (laughs) do you know what i think you can find some amazing things on channel four Mm, and for our americans that Mm. are listen you will be watching channel four stuff british shows you know probably without even knowing they're from channel four we had shows like the in-betweeners which we know americans tried their own version didn't quite work but you know in-betweeners we've had it's the sin which is 
Channel 4 was slightly worried it might have been controversial and it's been been a hit. And then there's Alan Sugar in a tweet said that, you know, he's not in favour of privatisation of the broadcaster. He said it would be a bad thing for audiences and the broadcasting sector. And he said that, you know, Channel 4 generates a billion to the UK economy, a billion pounds to the economy each each year. I mean, that... From what he's saying, yeah, and he's also worried. Let's face it, that you know it might be scooped up by one of the big American companies, i.e., Comcast. Well, we know that Comcast owns Sky, don't we? Now, so Comcast, of course, owns Sky, which is one of the big broadcasters over here. Hmm. Uh, We know that Channel Five is uh, is owned by, I think, has got shares with Viacom. So Channel Four, you know, is one of the few probably properly British broadcasters that's still going where it is completely British run and it, it, it does what it thinks is right. But of course, to get the government's take on this alley, they, they've said they've taken a decision to review its ownership structure because the changing media landscape poses a serious threat to traditional linear broadcasters. And of course, we know that Channel 4 is part of BritBox, which again, you can get in America, you can get around the world. We know that it's got all four, which a fact I know because they advertise about it all the time is that all four is the UK's most watched online streaming service that's free. Yeah. Because it does appeal to the younger generation and we know that its news and its investigations are some of the best in the country so it you know it makes you wonder kind of why the government is considering this if, unless if they want some quick cash and i guess it is quick cash for them but actually there is that whole concern that selling it off <clears throat> excuse me choking there could be well devastating to, to the british public we, we won't know until they decide what they're going to do this autumn no, we will. Well, we'll have to wait and see what happens, really, won't we, how it plays out. But, I mean, the Department of Digital Culture, Media and Sports has said the decision to review its ownership structure was taken because the changing media landscape poses a serious threat to traditional linear broadcasters. Mm, there we go. There's that yeah. quote. So we shall see. We shall see. But it would be, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I like Channel 4, so fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers <laughs> crossed. I think a lot of people would be sad to see it go. Not that it would go, but it would be sad if its its quality and its content was degraded. But we shall we shall see what happens on that. Mm. And there is one story, Ali, that does have global ramifications. If you if you consider it global ramifications, which is completely separate from everything else we've talked about this week, which is Stonehenge, which a lot oh, of our wow. listeners will know about. Yeah, Stonehenge, the global heritage site. There was they were well, our government were going to build a tunnel under it, but they that were. has now been thrown out by the High Court. Well, so it should be in some ways. Yeah, it's a controversial one, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I drive the 303 loads when I go back and see my family and stuff. And if you... Oh, a dog is barking. The dog is barking. And the, dog, the dog agrees. Yeah, Bobby the dog agrees. agrees. Yeah, absolutely. Dogs. Somewhere in the house. Yeah. Um, he's obviously barking for Stonehenge. No, but um, I drive the 303 a lot when I go back to the southwest. I don't know what he's barking at, honestly. And... Um, it, it is a real pinch point when it goes down to one lane and it can cause hours of delays because there are accidents there. A lot of the time it's caused by drivers slowing down to look at the stones. I've actually seen people stop in front of me on that bit of road and take photos. It's infuriating, isn't it? It is. And this tunnel was was designed to, to stop that. Apparently the government said it would make the area prettier and it would be less invasive. But then campaigners said that building a tunnel might destroy, you know, well, this is what you don't really know. This is the mm. point, though, isn't it? Because it's never been done before. Mm. Um, mm. And, you know, when you start digging underneath a site that is thousands and thousands of years old, mm, 
Well, it's not under the site as such. It's in the area surrounding it, which could be full of all sorts of, I guess, archaeological gems in a way. And of course, the government gave gave the scheme to go ahead last November. Uh, despite advice from planning inspectorate officials that it might cause, or it would cause, they said, permanent irreversible harm. And in a ruling on Friday, so of course this happened on Friday, um, the judge, Mr Justice Holgate, concluded there was a material error of law in the decision-making process, and he also found that Mr Shapps failed to consider alternative schemes in accordance with the World Heritage Convention and common law. The relevant circumstances of this case are wholly exceptional, he said. So... There are other options, and the government is now going to have to kind of not go back to drawing board, but review what it wants to do. And I think, as a driver, I'm all for a tunnel or a new road that would reduce delays. But I completely understand why people have have, kick, have kicked off about this, Ali. I really do. I understand them. Yeah, no, so do I. So do mm. I. Definitely. Um, it is a strange one, isn't it? It really is. Um, so we'll see. I mean. Um, he also said, didn't he, that uh, the transport secretary, um, mm -hmm. whether he could choose whether or not to take into account. Um, oh, sorry, that was John Adams, wasn't it? The director and acting chairman of the Stonehenge Alliance said we could not be more pleased about the outcome, obviously, of the legal challenge. Mm. Um, that Stonehenge Alliance has campaigned from the start for a longer tunnel if a tunnel should be considered necessary. So it will be interesting to see, I think. Um, yeah, it will be. And I think a lot of the controversy <laughs> as well is that the tunnel will begin and end inside the heritage site itself. So these campaigners weren't calling for the tunnel itself to be scrapped or the idea of a tunnel to be scrapped. No. They were calling for it to start and end outside of the heritage site and to perhaps be further away as well i think i've read somewhere so you know it is it, it is interesting and of course you have got the climate emergency argument that should the government be building new roads in the midst of the climate emergency and of course people do need to get from a to b but you know could the government do something different i mean that's a whole other argument there ali there is so much to this whole debate about stonehenge so you know it, it is it is an interesting one and i will have to see kind of where the government goes with this will they Will they appeal it? Will they change their plans? Because, you know, we're still looking, you know, 10 years ahead if this was going to be finished. So it is another 10 years of motoring misery for drivers, effectively. It's, it, it really does now depend on where they want it to go. The 303 is one of the busiest roads in the UK in summer. For anyone who doesn't live in the UK, we know that um, people come down from across the country. They take the 303 to the southwest because it's one of the link roads. It's one of the main roads. Yeah. So it is, it is you know, economically important as well. So we'll have to see what the government government says to that. And I'm sure they'll be reviewing their decisions as we speak. And I'm, I'm sure in the next few months we'll see a, a revised plan or a different plan or maybe it'll be scrapped entirely. We just we don't know yet. Well, let's see. You know, I mean, the proposed tunnel is part of a 1.7 billion investment in the A303 between Amesbury and Berwick down. Yes, but, it certainly um, wasn't cheap. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no, but I mean, the Stonehenge site together with Avebury, you know, was declared by UNESCO to be a world heritage site of outstanding universal value in 1986 mm. on account of the size of the megaliths and sophistication of the concentric plans and the complexes of Neolithic and Bronze Age sites and monuments. There we go. So there's a statement for you, Harry. 
Mm. So it'll be interesting to see where the government goes from this. I think, you know, for one, if someone is visiting the stones, you can't get away from the road at the moment because the road is, what, half a mile from the stones? Yeah, it's, um, it's so, ludicrous, isn't it? I mean, you can just park the car up and... Well, you used to. They've shot all those roads now. But I have still, still yeah. seen people trying to pull over and stop. And I'm like, no, please, you're going to cause an accident. You could almost leg it over the fence. Almost. Don't if you want leg to it over the fence, no, people. No, don't. Please right. don't. But I think that kind of that might sum up the Stonehenge debate. But it is it is important not just for us in the UK, but the world. I mean, it is a it is a statement that will affect probably legal rulings globally in world heritage sites. I would say, which is why it, why it matters. Yes, it is mm. definitely. And for any of our listeners who might have wondered why have we not bought at the Olympics yet, well, we will leave that to our sports team this week, who love to deal with anything sporty. Um, Yes. Andy and Tony, I'm sure we'll be doing that shortly, won't they, Ali? Yeah, they have already been covering the Olympics in the last week, so they'll be covering the Olympics again, so that's not and void. Um, that podcast is released normally on Spotify and Apple on a Thursday evening to download. So mm. um, without further ado, my goodness, we've reached the end of another podcast, Harry. We have, we have, and we've avoided, I think, not, we've avoided controversy this week, I think, Ali, I would say, at least. It's not been the most controversial one, but we would love to hear what you think, listeners, about um, coronavirus passports, vaccine passports, that's the right word. So please do get in touch, and you can do that via email on breakdown at forthenow.co.uk. Or you can connect with us on our socials, can't you, Owls? Owls? Ali? God. Goodness, Owls. Right, yes, at Breakdown With Us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, on Gosh. that note, when I have, I've had many a breakdown today, so I do apologise. We will leave you a do, listeners, and we'll be back same time, same place next week. Yeah. Take care. Have a good one. Bye-bye.